Jesus, thank you for bringing us here tonight and for uh, those who are watching online, uh, those who will watch this later on. Uh, God, we pray, pray that that your word uh, does what you say it does, that it, it, um, it works in our hearts and our lives, that it accomplishes the purpose that you sent it out for. And, and uh, God, allow us to be receptive to that word. As we read the story tonight of Joseph and his brothers, um, help us to, to apply this story to our own lives, uh, to, to see maybe a little bit of ourselves in this story and, and the, the reality of, of life and relationships, and uh, use that to, to learn and apply to our lives. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Very good. And like always, uh, if you're watching this online live or later, uh, leave comments or thoughts in the, the comments here and we'll pull them into the conversation live if you're doing it live or we'll do it next time or later on when, whenever we uh, get those. And we've got a lot to cover tonight. We left off last week with, uh, with uh, Joseph being uh, installed in Egypt and he is, uh, he's kind of the right-hand man of uh, Pharaoh. He's only the, nobody is, is more important uh, other than Pharaoh than him and all of Egypt. So tonight we start in Genesis chapter 42 with his brothers um, going to Egypt. So um, let's read one through five of chapter 42 in Genesis. And I can start off there. And I'm reading out of the NIV. Um, when Jacob learned that there was grain in Egypt, he said to his sons, why do you just keep looking at each other? He continued, I have heard that there is grain in Egypt. Go down there and buy some for us so that we may live and not die. Then 10 of Joseph's brothers went down to buy grain from Egypt. But Jacob did not send Benjamin, Joseph's brother, and the, with the others because he was afraid that harm might come to him. So Israel's sons were among those who went to buy grain, for there was famine in the land of Canaan also. I love right. how the NIV translates. Is it verse two? Why do you sit around here looking at one another? Or <laughs> <laughs> Yes. How does that translate in ESV? <laughs> well, it just says, uh, he said to his sons, why do you look at one another? It must have just been that lingering of, what are we going to do today? <laughs> <laughs> well, clearly the famine has reached them, so they can't, they can't do anything. They can't, they don't have any food, and they're talking about dying here because of the famine. So, yeah, it's pretty drastic for, for them back in Canaan. Can you kind of pick up the still the favoritism still in there it won't send benjamin down but yeah you other 10 go on down there if something happens to one of you guys yeah no big deal <laughs> dad's got a new favorite yeah which and we it's never gone well in the past and i don't think it's gonna go great this time either and just a reminder for if you haven't been with us in the last few weeks that both Joseph, um, who is now in Egypt, and Benjamin were, which, which wife? Rachel? Rachel? Mm -hmm. Rebecca? 
I'm I'm drawing a blank. Uh, I'm gonna go with Rachel. Rachel, Rachel's Rachel and Leah. Yeah, Rachel's uh, sons. So they were the favorites of Dad. So this is the the son, and we'll kind of run into this a little bit more as we go along. Um, I did find that it's about a 300 mile uh, trip to Egypt from where they were. So this is going to be weeks to travel, not the 50 miles where they lost their other brother. Do you, do they know, or and again, how far up the Nile would the headquarters of the Egypt empire be at this time? I remember the children of Israel end up in the Delta area, but uh, I think... That I'm not sure about, Pastor Starner. I don't have a map handy for that. Yeah, the only thing I found was that it's about a 300-mile trip from for them to, yeah. to make it down there. But And, of course, Egypt is always the breadbasket because they have the Nile River that provides that irrigation for, and usually a little bit of a buffer from all the um, famines that other parts of the world would 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 have but of course they're they have the uh the um green oh there we go so this is the joseph's family comes to egypt part here oh, okay it, it's showing them coming to ramses here oh yeah mm -hmm. so they would have left hebron and taken kind of this route here okay do you do we know that they went to ramses uh, you know, I don't remember that... here. I'm not sure why it has right built by the slave. Probably an ancient city, or they know that's an ancient city. I think the only thing it talks about later is where they settle, or where they're given land um, right. around there. So maybe that's what they're basing this on. It does have the so according to this little key here, the events with an uncertain location is what it has here. So. It's mm -hmm. probably an educated guess that they're making for, for where in Egypt they, they went to, but the different colors here, these are the different trips back and forth. Now, what is that shaded gray that says territory of? This one here? Yeah. Okay. Ocean. Oh, you're looking at the purple one? No, well, yeah, the purplish one, the one that is seen by Ramses, there's a kind of a grayish purple shaded the, area. Yep, that's the territory of Goshen. Goshen. Okay. Well, that's where the children of Israel end up for sure. Right. So I think that's maybe why they're, they're assuming that this is where they, this is where Joseph was. Mm -hmm. Interesting. And there's quite a bit of narrative tonight. So we're probably going to go a little faster than we have on some of the other ones. Cause there's, there is a lot of reading, but we can always take questions or, or topics. But the next part is six through nine here as we keep reading. Would one mm -hmm. of you two like to read six through nine? Now Joseph was governor over the land. He was, one, he was the one who sold to all the people of the land. He, who, he was the one who sold to all the people of the land. And Joseph's brothers came and bowed themselves before him with their faces to the ground. Joseph saw his brothers and recognized them, but he treated them like strangers and spoke roughly to them. Where did you come from? He said. 
they said, from the land of Canaan to buy food. And Joseph recognized his brothers, but they did not recognize him. And Joseph remembered the dreams that, had, that he had dreamed of them. And he said to them, you are spies. You have come to see the nakedness of the land. Then they said to him, no, my Lord, your servants have come to buy food. We are all sons of one man. We are honest men. Your servants have never been spies. Um, why don't you keep uh, going all the way to 17 then? As okay. And he said to them, no, it is to see the nakedness of the land that you have come to see. And they said, we, your servants, are 12 brothers, the sons of one man in the land of Cana and Canaan. And behold, the youngest is this day with our father, and one is no more. But Joseph said to them, it is as I said to you, you are spies. By this you shall be tested. By the life of Pharaoh, you shall not go from this place unless your youngest brother comes here. Send one of, one of you and let him bring your brother while you remain confined, that your words may be tested, whether there is truth to it in, it, in you, or else by the life of Pharaoh, surely you are spies. And he put them all together in custody for three days. Uh, okay, let's pa pause there for a minute. So he comes up with this calling them spies, but first he recognizes them. He knows who they are, but they don't know who he is. He was 17 when he got to the land, right? Right. To yeah. Well, it's been about 20 years since they've seen him. 20 so years. he's approaching 40 now. So, yeah. Wow. And it's understandable that you're not going to recognize, plus he's, I think we're going to learn later. He's not um, speaking their language. He's using an mm -hmm. interpreter. So they think he's just another Egyptian. Well, and, and it, with the way the last chapter ended with him taking on all this Egyptian stuff, Egyptian wife, you know, it would make sense too that he's probably looks a little more like an Egyptian in the way he dresses and, you know, acts and all that stuff. He's, he probably looks a little less like a Hebrew. Right. He's walking like an Egyptian, one might. <laughs> you were waiting to say that one. <laughs> Actually, it just came to me. So, so sometimes right. genius just happens. <laughs> so as soon as he figures out who they are, he accuses them of being spies. And I, I love their response in, in verse 11. We're honest men. Okay, what happened when you sold your brother into slavery? You devised <laughs> this, all of you devised this plot to hide it from your dad and all this. And, oh, we're honest men. Seriously. Good people. Mostly. Yeah. <laughs> we have good heart. There was that one time. Just that one time. <laughs> but again, you, you kind of get that inner turmoil of Joseph going on, too. The, he remembered the dreams. Um, but he's going to act the tough guy, you know, the tough vizier part and uh, not let on to it. So, and of course, later on, we know when he breaks down, it's just this cry of anguish that finally comes out of him. Just can't keep up the charade anymore. So now a couple of the different resources I was looking at here, just in preparing for tonight, um, were saying that the whole reason behind Joseph saying, um, 
your spies and you need to bring your youngest brother here is because of that dream. So it's him kind of forcing the dream with his brothers into reality of the 11 bowing down because only 10 are bowing here mm. and it's, a, it's supposed to be 11. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's jo- Joseph remembering that dream and kind of making that happen in a sense. It's interesting that it says that because remember we talked earlier about the other dream his mother and father bowed down to him. And I don't think that ever happens. Uh, no, because she's gone by this point, isn't she? Yeah, right. Yeah. Passed away. Yeah. So, and I don't think his father ever bows to him. So it's interesting that mm-hmm. they would find that the reason for the younger brother to come other than, I mean, there is always the whole, I just want to see my younger brother and how you guys are treating him. Uh, right. We'll have to keep that in mind when we get to uh, when Jacob is brought down. Right. So let's keep reading. Uh, Pastor Starna, you want to do 18 through 24? Sure. On the third day, Joseph said to them, do this and you will live, for I fear God. If you are honest men, let one of your brothers remain confined where you are in custody. And let the rest go and carry grain for the famine of your households and bring your youngest brother to me so your words will be verified and you shall not die. And they did so. Then they said to one another, in truth, we are guilty concerning our brother in that we saw the distress of his soul when he begged us and we did not listen. That is why this distress has come upon us. And Reuben answered them, did I not tell you not to sin against the boy? but you did not listen. So now there comes a reckoning for his blood. They did not know that Joseph understood them for there was an interpreter between them. Then he turned away from them and wept and he returned to them and spoke to them. And he took Simeon from them and bound him before their eyes. Okay. There's a lot going on in this little section. Uh, First of all, what does he say he's going to do in, up in 10, or I'm sorry, 17, how many of them is he going to keep? Well, he's keeping in one. Six, in 16, he says, send one of your number to get your brother. The rest I will keep in prison. All right. So now he says at the beginning of, first of all, there's the whole three days in prison thing, which I don't know how much you read into the three days uh, in prison. Um, three well, days it's all in, like, uh, it points to the, obviously, Jesus in the tomb. Right. Uh, yeah. So after he leaves him stew for three days, um, he comes with this line, for I fear God. Is that something you expect an Egyptian to say? Yeah, that should have maybe clued them in that something else is going on. Well, there's always a, and I, I don't know the real answer, but there's two, I mean, there's the Lord, Yahweh, and then there's the word God, Elohim. Um, and did that mean just... I believe in the deity. Um, he does, doesn't say I believe in Yahweh, but uh, I fear I fear God. 
a higher and is he i mean i think he does know believe in the true god but is that who he's meaning i don't know yeah you don't know for sure what he's saying to them and what it means and to what them. they would understand by it would they understand oh we have a shared faith here um mm -hmm. i think from the rest of it they're still scared <laughs> and um, they're scared of they don't know what to make of him but he's trying to tell them he's a good man. So he's changed his terms now. Mm -hmm. So now he says, let one brother stay in prison while the rest of you go back and get your brother. Yeah, one of the resources I've got open here just says that this, this isn't a statement of faith in the God of Israel because that would have blown his cover. This okay. is more just him saying it's kind of like a hand to God, uh, you know, uh -huh. sort of a statement. So he's lessened his terms, though. He only wants to keep one. And he proves he's serious. He's playing the charade a little bit longer with, um, with keeping Simeon. But uh, what about this little interchange they have now? It starts in 21. It's clear that they are they are still very much imprisoned by the what they think is the death of their brother Joseph. Right. This this is like a, a burden that is haunting them. It is weighing them down. It's, it feels like they've been waiting for twenty years, and now the hammer's finally going to fall. And here it is. We've been waiting for this moment, and now it's going to get us. And I told you it was coming. Surely this is our punishment. So, and Reuben even pipes up and says, I told you so. Yep. And now there will be a reckoning for his blood. The, the, the universal scale is about to be set right here because we were bad and it's coming for us. So it, I find it interesting that it says Joseph um, could understand them, uh, but they didn't think so because he was using an interpreter. So are they having this conversation? Clearly, they got to be having it in earshot of him, yet the interpreter isn't going through the whole discussion they're having. Do you even think the interpreter would worry what they would be saying? Probably would, not. I could, I could also almost see what you guys talk about. That's of no concern to the big man. Uh, right. I shouldn't have said that, but uh, uh, <laughs> but he'll tell you what he wants you to know, and we don't really care. And it, maybe they understood some Hebrew, uh, but he didn't relay that to uh, Joseph. So we hear here is the first time we get he turned away from them and began to weep. So. Joseph breaks down, even though he's keeping the, the charade going, he breaks down and cries um, because he hears them talking about, I mean, he overhears them talking about realizing that they're, they're going to give an account now for what is essentially his blood. Do you think there's any significance in... Uh... Oh, what is that verse? 
uh, 20 or 21, um, where they refer to him now as their brother. Didn't they refer to him as like the dreamer or something before? And yeah. Now they're, now it's our brother in, in this remorse that they have. Well, age, aging will kind of soften some of those hard edges off a person's life, I think, too. Mm-hmm. And I, I think they clearly knew what they did was was wrong. And certainly they saw their father's heartache from it all that had to break their heart as well and confront them with the reality of their uh, actions. Right. 20 years is a long time for this group of guys to keep this. They haven't told their father yet. Nobody's, nobody's broken down and, and told dad. They're living in the lie and they've committed to it and they're not, they're not letting go. Uh, Rob, your wife brings up a, a good point here about uh, what the brothers thought would solve all their problems and in, in selling Joseph off oh. now has become their torment. Right. But ultimately we're going to see it does end up solving all their problems. So that's, that's a good, good catch there, Liz. And that's the deceptiveness of sin. I mean, isn't that what uh, James says? It's uh, it's a fruit and it's a bitter fruit. You know it. I have to look, check that one out, but the, it brings a, a bad result always. And I can't remember now. Reuben uh, did when when they wanted when they threw him in the pit. Was that Reuben's idea? Um, I'm gonna have to look back at my names here and see if I can find specifically which one. Well, I know it was Reuben that he wanted to. He said, all right, let's not kill him, but okay, throw him in the pit. And then he thought he was going to come back and rescue him. But One plan to come back and rescue him. Well, and, and Reuben and Judah are the same two that, that are the uh, speakers in that story and this story. It's the same two. Okay. But I, I'm, I'm just quickly looking back at the narrative in 37. It doesn't say why Reuben left the other brothers, but then they they were the ones who sold Joseph to the Ishmaelite uh, caravan. Seems to me that both the brothers were not real excited about just outright killing him. They were both looking for an angle, I believe, both Reuben and um, Judah. Mm-hmm. So he chooses Simeon and has him bound, and let's go forward then from there. Well, and Simeon would be the second oldest, wouldn't he? Yeah, because yeah. he was involved in the whole killing of for their sister. Yeah. yeah. He might have been uh, the, wasn't he? Yeah, he might have been more wild and. Uh, I don't know if Joseph is if he did something more to Joseph that's not recorded, as, but it was Judah who said let's sell him. Which I suppose is better than leaving you in a pit. <laughs> 
to die. It's. Um... Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, let's get some money out of the deal anyhow. Right. That was that was his logic at the time. Well, I'm going to go ahead and read 25 through um, 28. So Joseph gave orders to fill their bags with grain, to put each man's silver back in his sack, and to give them provisions for their journey. After this was done for them, they loaded their grain on their donkeys and left. At the place where they stopped for the night, one of them opened his sack, to get feed for his donkey, and he saw his silver in the mouth of his sack. My silver has been returned, he said to his brothers. Here it is in my sack. Their hearts sank, and they turned to each other, trembling, and said, What is this that God has done to us? So, just a little break there in that part of the story. Joseph is still um conniving i guess it would be a good word he's he's told somebody to put their their gold or their silver back in their bags um and what do they respond at the end of 28 well they have no idea that joseph did it so what do they claim what's god doing here why is god doing this to me yeah, there's some guilt here. There's some, boy, God's God's really taken us down for this. Uh. It's just a fascinating from a story point of view, all of this. And I just wonder if after this was all said and done, if they just had a big picnic and then just started retelling the story <laughs> before it was written down, you know, and just what these brothers would have been going through. Joseph is really jerking their chain hard, isn't he? Yeah. Boy, are you going to be relieved when, when you get to the end of this? So. Yeah. yeah, he's, he's play acting a lot. He's, he's going along with a lot of, first of all, their spies. And now they've got this problem of what do we do with the, silver that came back to us one of the places i read said too that uh, there is a certain irony in the fact that silver there was 20 pieces of silver i believe is what they sold him for Mm -hmm. so now we've got them getting their silver uh back returned to them and that's just another ooh you know what do we do with that 20 pieces of silver we got for our brother and now we've got this Another, you know, is this God mocking us almost with the silver being back in our bags? Uh, what does uh, NIV, what does translate? It, this says, and their hearts failed them. Their this, hearts sank and they turned to each other sank. trembling. Mm-hmm. You just get the emotion of this whole story throughout And uh, the other thing I read about there is that the rest of them were pretty much scared to open their bags because <laughs> we're going to get a little more detail on that too. <sighs> so let's uh, do 29 through 34. I'll go ahead and do that. When they came to Jacob, their father in the land of Canaan, 
They told him all that had happened to them, saying, The man, the Lord of the land, spoke roughly to us and took us to be spies in the land. But we said to him, We are honest men. We have never been spies. We are, the, we are twelve brothers, sons of our father. One is no more, and the youngest is this day with our father in the land of Canaan. Then the man, the Lord of the land, said to us, By this I shall know that you are honest men. Leave one of your brothers with me, and take grain for the famine of your households, and go, on your, and go your way. Bring your youngest brother to me. Then I shall know that you are not spies, but honest men. And I will deliver your brother to you, and you shall trade in the land. Why don't we go all the way to 38? Okay. As they emptied their sack, be, sacks, behold, every man's bundle of money was in his sack. And when they and their father saw the bundles of money, they were afraid. And Jacob, their father, said to them, You have bereaved me of my children. Joseph is no more, and Simeon is no more. And now you would take Benjamin? All this has come against me. Then Reuben said to his father, Kill my two sons if I do not bring him back to you. Put him in my cans, and I will bring him back to you. But he said, My son shall not go down with you, for his brother is dead, and he's the only one left. If harm should happen to him on the journey that you are to make, you would bring down my gray hairs with sorrow to Sheol. Okay. Ouch. There's some interesting stuff going on here, too. So Simeon's as good as gone in, in Jacob's eyes. Jacob right. just says he is no more, just like my no, other son. And then he throws out that line, and I don't know if it's worded the same way in yours. In 38, my son will go down, will not go down there with you. His brother is dead, and he is the only one left. What is what does that mean to the next the rest of them standing there? He is the only one left. He's the only favorite. I don't know favorites, just you losers. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's kind of throwing that up in their face there is to say he's the only one left. He's the only one from from my loved side of the family that I have favorites on. Yeah, I think he's He's saying exactly, you know, what has always been pointed to. He doesn't count the other, the other boys as his true sons. They're, you know, a second tier. Yeah. Uh, which brings it full circle. This is why they wanted to get rid of Joseph in the first place. Reuben uh, throws out this, you may put both my sons to death if I do not bring him back to you, which is kind of a ridiculous statement. Um, it just, I don't know if he's trying there to make this oath that he'll get him back, but his father completely ignores it. I think it's just he's grasping at straws trying to figure out how we're going to do this. I mean, he knows that Jacob is not going to be too crazy about sending Benjamin, and they're not going to get any headway without without Benjamin going. So what's the 
what's the only possible way we can get a permission to get Benjamin down to Egypt? And I think he's just, maybe if I promise you can kill my sons, well, let's kill more people to try to make it happen. That's, that's how I just figure that it's just kind of ludicrous logic. Let's read farther into uh, Genesis 43. Uh, again, chapters really aren't a, this is one long story that goes almost four chapters. Uh, uh, Pastor Starner, you want to read one through seven? Sure. Now the famine was severe in the land. And when they had eaten the grain that they had brought from Egypt, their father said to them, go again, buy us a little food. But Judah said to him, the man solemnly warned us, saying, You shall not see my face unless your brother is with you. If you will send your, our brother with us, we will go down and buy you food. But if you will not send him, we will not go down. For the man said to us, You shall not see my face unless your brother is with you. Israel said, Why did you treat me so badly as to tell the man that you had another brother? They replied, The man questioned us carefully about ourselves and our kindred saying, is your father still alive? Do you have another brother? What we told him was an answer to these questions. Could we in any way know, he would say, bring your brother down? And Judah said to Israel, his father, send the boy with me and we will arise and go that we may live and not die, both we and you and our little ones. Do you want me to stop there? Um, why don't you go all the way to 10? Okay. Uh, I will... I will be a pledge of his safety. From my hand, you shall require him. If I do not bring him back to you and set him before you, then let me bear the blame forever. If we had not delayed, we would now have returned twice. Okay. I wanted to get that last part in there about if we had not delayed. Nobody wants to go back. So we're sitting on bags full of silver. We've used the food. And now they're to the point where we can't afford. Um, we just don't have any food left. But they haven't spent the silver because they know it's not theirs. So they're at this interesting spot where what do we do to get more food? Yeah, I, that kind of jumped out at me that they they don't, consider going back to Egypt until they're, they're out of food again. And right. it's just been that awkward, you know, we can't talk to dad because we can't go down there without Benjamin and he's not going to let it happen. So let's push it, push it off for another day until, but, all right, we have no more food. We're going to die. But they know how serious the, the leader was that spoke to him that you can't show up without your little brother. Right. So they're, they're kind of trapped between dad's, dad's lament, which they're all guilty about, and this leader who's not going to give them anything if they don't bring the little brother. Um, one of the places mentioned, too, they still haven't confessed this to dad. They haven't confessed their sin to their dad. They talked oh, about it. Of, uh, Joseph, yeah. Yeah, they talked about it in front of Joseph, because they didn't think anybody could hear them or understand them. Um, yet they haven't told dad what 
they did to Joseph. They're just letting that slide as, yeah, we're guilty, but we're not going to come clean with that. And in the last chapter, we had Reuben saying, let's go, and if I fail, you can kill my two boys, or two of my boys. But here you've got Judah saying, I'll take their place. You know, it, it's, it, you, you, can, you can kill me if I don't do it. He offers himself rather than offering someone else as a, as a substitution, which I think is a great foreshadowing of who's going to come from Judah and yep. All right. who's the one who's going to be the, the sacrifice. So Judah being the line of the Messiah, here we have Judah volunteering to give up his life, essentially, if he doesn't bring back mm -hmm. Benjamin. So, All right, let's read 11 through, and I will start at 11. Um, Oh, that we had not delayed, we could have gone and returned twice. So we talked about them not being in a hurry, but he even throws that in as <laughs> if we'd have turned around and walked down back there right away. This is a 300 mile journey. This is weeks and they've still got the brother in jail. So um, I'm guessing some of them wanted to turn around and go right back, but... So 11 says, then their father, Israel, said to them, if it must be, then do this. Put some of the best products of the land in your bags and take them down to the man as a gift. A little balm and a little honey, some spice and myrrh and pistachio nuts and almonds. Take double the amount of silver with you, for you must return the silver that was put back in the mouths of your sacks. Perhaps it was a mistake. Take your brother also and go back to the man at once. And may God Almighty grant you mercy before the man so that he will let your other brother and Benjamin come back with you. As for me, I am bereaved. I am bereaved. Is that word bereaved translated in ES? Same, same word. Same word? Okay. Uh, I am bereaved of my children. I am bereaved. Just, yeah, heartbroken. And so clearly we know they haven't spent the money because he's telling them to take the silver back and mm -hmm. twice as much. And he's also telling them to take some, some of their, their goods to try and, uh, try and make good with this man. And he invokes here the name of God, um, grant mercy before the man so that he will let your other brother. So he hasn't completely written off the other brother, uh, Simeon, that's gone. And Benjamin come back. So he's really got no choice but to let this happen. So he's kind of invoking God's name here and asking God to, for a good outcome. Um, let's read 15 through 23. So the men took this present and they took double the money with them and Benjamin. 
They arose and went down to Egypt and stood before Joseph. When Joseph saw Benjamin with them, he said to the steward of the house, Bring the men into the house and slaughter an animal and make ready for the men are to dine with me at noon. The man did as Joseph told him and brought the men to Joseph's house. And the men were afraid because they were brought to Joseph's house. And they said, it is because of the money which was replaced in our sacks the first time that we are brought in so that he may assault us and fall upon us and make us servants and seize our donkeys. So they went up to the steward of Joseph's house and spoke with him at the door of the house and said, Oh, my Lord, we came down the first time to buy food. And when we came to the lodging place, we opened our sacks, and there was each man's money in the mouth of his sack, our money in full weight. So we have brought it, brought it again with us, and we have brought other money down with us to buy food. We do not know who put money in our sacks. He replied, Peace to you. Do not be afraid. Your God and the God of your father has put treasure in your sacks for you. I received your money. Then they brought Simeon. Then he brought Simeon out to them. And when the man had brought the men into Joseph's house and given them water and they had washed their feet, and when he had given their donkeys fodder, they prepared the present for Joseph's coming at noon, for they heard that they should eat bread there. Keep going till the end. Sure, let's read all the way When down. Joseph came home, they brought into the house to him the present that they had with them and bowed down to him to the ground. And he inquired about their welfare and said, Is your father well, the old man of whom you spoke? Is he still alive? They said, Your, father, your servant, our father, is well. He is still alive. And they bowed their heads and prostrated themselves. And he lifted up his eyes and saw his brother Benjamin, his mother's son, and said, Is this your youngest brother, of whom you spoke to me? God be gracious to you, my son. Then Joseph hurried out, for his compassion grew warm for his brother, and he sought a place to weep. And he entered his chamber and wept there. Then he washed his face and came out, and controlling himself, he said, Serve the food. They served him by himself. And, and them by themselves, and the Egyptians who ate with him by themselves, because the Egyptians could not eat with the Hebrews, for that is an abomination to the Hebrew, or because that is an abomination to the Egyptians. And they sat before him, the firstborn according to his birthright, and the youngest according to his youth. And the men looked at one another in amazement. Portions were taken to them from Joseph's table, but Benjamin's portion was five times as much as any of theirs. And they drank and were merry with him. Okay. So the steward takes them in and brings them to Joseph's house. And what do they think when they get to Joseph's house? Mm -hmm. Well, it certainly seems like the steward's not in on this plan because the steward's like, I got your payment. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know who put the money back in your, your bag. But it almost sounds to me like the steward is, is kind of, uh, this is the first time that they're not 
they're not freaking out about that. Um, well, they're, they carefully state what happened, right? So right. we paid and then we got to the hotel and when we opened our suitcase, there was the money. We don't know how it got there. We brought more money with us. So you're like, they're trying very hard to make sure that you that we're, we're being above board here. That there's, there's no deception going on. But and the steward is like, I don't know what, you know, God must have done it because his, his uh, accounting says they're paid in full. Right. Yeah, that's an interesting statement by the, by the steward. Is, does he not know what's going on or is he actually putting them at ease when he says, it's all right, don't be afraid, you're God has given the treasure in your sacks. I received your silver. And then he brings him Simeon who was in jail. So it's like, wait a minute, what's going on here? We thought we were in trouble when we got to this guy's house. We thought we were gonna get essentially mugged and overpowered here. And now they explain the silver and things are kind of turning. Yeah, I'm sure they have to be scratching their heads going, we don't really understand what's happening because we felt like we should be in trouble. Things are just, things are happening that wouldn't be happening under normal circumstances. So what's going on here? And they still don't then, know Joseph is Joseph. Right. And then the next part is uh, give them water and wash their feet and feed their donkeys. That's not normal for right. what should be happening, right? And then they have this meal and they give Benjamin just heaps and heaps of stuff. Right. And one of the resources I've got here is saying, so is Joseph um, trying to see if his brothers have changed by showing favoritism to the dad's favorite? Is he trying to provoke something out of him to see if, are they really different? Or are they going to, are they going to turn on Benjamin? Like they turned on me. Hmm. Or yeah, that is that jealousy still there? Of, right. And I know time-wise, we're getting very close to uh, to ending here. Um, but the story runs on for another at least a whole another chapter. So we're just going to have to pick a place to stop, pretty much. So. Um, and essentially be a two-parter because I don't think we have time to go a huge way to the end of this story. So, I, One of the other notes I've got here too about uh, verse 33 where he arranges them according to their birthright or their birth order. Right. That it says that you know, Joseph likely did this just to mystify him because how would some random Egyptian guy know who's the oldest and right. who's the youngest? And especially at their age, it's not like they're their their children where you can tell who's older or not right adults, it's like they're just all adults no i mean joseph is yanking their chains i mean he's he's definitely given five times to benjamin uh he's just trying to i mean i think not rub it in but just to mystify him something's up and guys, you don't even know <laughs> what's up. 
and he's having trouble controlling himself too. Yeah, they've got to be scratching their heads at this point. Just not sure what's going on because the first thing that's gone right is the servant saying, I knew about the silver and them not getting in trouble for it. Do we know why the Egyptians considered Hebrews an abomination? I, I remember that from the Exodus story. I didn't remember it from the from this. Uh, the note that I have here says that uh, so Joseph eats alone because he's he's a political elite, so he would have done that. But the other Egyptians eat separate because of a cultural sense of racial superiority. So they considered the Hebrews uh, less than yeah uh, them. Didn't it say they were an abomination to the Egyptians? Yes. Yeah. Eating together with them was an abomination, I think. Right. But we're going to find out as we go forward that I don't know that they, when Pharaoh finds out what's going on, it's not a, it's not a huge negative. It's probably more of a caste system thing, just like Joseph is separated because he's an important guy. Mm -hmm. And, uh, it's not like they're going to be mistreated as these Hebrew people. Not for a few hundred years yet. Right. Yeah. Well, and I wonder if it was uh, with all foreign people that the Egyptians just felt like, you know, we obviously have food that must make us a special caste or caste system i i don't i don't know that but yeah Mm -hmm. well and you know at this point if if we're if hebrews are the descendants of abraham there's just these these what 11 guys here it's not like it's a a a huge people group to discriminate against so it's probably more likely that it's just anybody who's not an egyptian yeah And they probably got people coming from all over the place to to buy food. So if they're coming 300 miles from that direction, you got to imagine that people in every direction for 300 miles or more are coming to to buy food. So right. So I think that's probably where we should wrap it up tonight. I think time wise, we're very close to 80. Seven, it looks like. Seven. I did. Uh, That's a good stopping point. Well, since we're, we have a little bit of time and we're going to come to all the, the plagues, um, I, I had heard, I think it was, uh, we have a Sudanese family in our church and they talked about the locust invasion. There is a huge uh, invasion of locusts. I don't know if it's over yet now, but earlier this summer, there was a, a ginormous locust invasion of Africa. And it's, it's one of those things that, wow, this really can happen. It's not, I mean, obviously it's a miracle from a, from the biblical record, but these things still, still do happen in famines. That, and that, I feel, that feels like that was even like pre COVID, wasn't it? Like, like January, February that was going yeah, on. Yeah. So- with that, yeah. Probably the Southern hemisphere. So yeah, because yeah, I I remember coming across a couple of videos of that of like um, somebody driving down the road and it was literally like just a cloud of insects as far as you could see. It was it was 
like literally biblical proportions. It was, it was impressive. It's sort of like the, the fires in Australia, right? Like that was such a big deal for a minute. And then yeah. that feels like a lifetime ago now. That's right. I forgot about those. You forget about those things. Well, I think, should we close it off and get sure. ready? This is a good, uh, good break right yeah. at a chapter, just like the original. Right. <laughs> Can I ask you to close in prayer, Pastor Rob? You so, yeah, Father, we are, for, we hear one thing and forget it and uh, we move on and our lives get busy. And I pray, Lord, that your word does not become one of those things of here today and gone tomorrow, out of sight, out of mind. We keep the truths of your word uh, impressive, impressed upon our heart. Lord, we see the, the, the web of sin and the, the complexity of it all in uh, the, Jacob, or the Joseph story. And yet your mercy weaving through or a thread through it all get your you're with them and you're working out your redemption and your purposes uh, forgive us where we sin forgive us where we lie forgive us for our favoritism forgive us for our uh, deceptions and um, uh, less than truth with one another but we thank you that you are not ashamed to call us your children and to be known as our god um, catch us up to what you're, you're already doing in our lives and give us a good night. And we pray it all in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. 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 Thank, Thank you. you I appreciate your leadership and getting us through this word. And it's always fun to talk about God's word together on this. It is. Absolutely. Um, do you have updates on uh, anything, Pastor Starner, that we need to know uh, as far as you were talking about how many weeks we're probably going to be on this? Uh, uh, nope. Okay. Not until <laughs> so we get there. So. We will be here next week. <laughs> we will, yep. Got a lot more for Wednesday night. We got a lot more Bible class to go. Yep. Okay. Uh, Thanks, brothers. Right. See you all next week. Bye. See all you. All right. Watching in, too.